There's that song we all know and love. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, you've had 24 hours to calm down. How are we doing? Better than yesterday, for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Schalke podcast, so that's on my mind as well, kind of distracting me from the uh, the nonsense that was yesterday's match. Ah, uh, yes, but, American football. Um, yeah, I'm sure most of you will be hearing this on a Monday, possibly, but uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. It is, it is, and I feel like that was a challenge. Uh, we'll see when a recording comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, last week, you know, we got back on the back on track with a 2-0 victory on the road at Stuttgart. Stuttgart never really looked like they were going to give us trouble, um, and the result was never in doubt. As a result of the loss, though, the talented Stuttgart coach Hannes Wolf was let go. Schalke, all the meanwhile, were getting praise as a real contender in the Bundesliga. Boy, how a week can change fortunes, Jack. Yeah, especially uh, given how tight the Bundesliga is right now um, in the table. Uh, <laughs> you have to have consistent results, otherwise things can change quite rapidly. And that it is. That is very true. Uh, well, today on the podcast rundown, we will recap the Bremen match, give a rant, uh, preview the big week ahead with uh, in the DFB Pokal against Wolfsburg midweek, and then the Topspiel versus Bayern next weekend. Let's take it away. All right, first go around uh, when we played uh, Bremen earlier in the season. Schalke won two to one. Goretzka netting the game winner. Uh, Bremen. They come in, they came into this game on a winless five game winning or five game streak, uh, including a zero zero draw last week to Hertha Berlin. Bremen sat in 16th place and in the relegation zone. Schalke on the, on the other side sat in third place going into the game behind Leverkusen and, and Bayern, of course. The big danger man for Bremen that most fans will be familiar with is Max Cruz. Uh, he's been, he had his, uh, he's been on the, on the Deutsche, uh, Die Mannschaft team. Uh, he has four goals this campaign and, um, uh, as far as the last game that they played when we won two to one, all three goals uh, came off corner kicks, which is uh, which is interesting actually. Um, what did you uh, go into this match? What were, what were we looking at? What were we expecting from Schalke at least? Yeah, we've we've reached the end of that three game stretch that we've talked about a couple <laughs> yeah. times on the podcast. Uh, you know, we have these this Leipzig game to start off the second half. We have Bayern Munich. Next week, and uh, in between that are three fixtures against teams that are, you know, bottom half of the table. Um, and these were very important fixtures for us. So, um, you know, uh, shaky start with the draw against Hanover, uh, able to get the win last week against Stuttgart. And then we're looking to do that again. Um, I thought this was an important game for us to try to um, kind of maintain our, our spot in the table heading into a Bayern game where, um, you know, Anything can happen, but you know, given the the gulf in class between Bayern and basically everyone else in the league, uh, pretty likely that Schalke is going to have a hard time coming away with that with three points. 
Yeah, and uh, this match in particular meant a lot for both clubs. For Schalke, you know, we're trying to get back to the Champions League, which is the ultimate goal, and bring back, you know, some of that prestige that was you know, taken away from us in the last few seasons from the poor play. Bremen, on the other end, uh, they're desperately trying to avoid relegation and thus playing like a wounded animal, so it's never going to be easy with them. Uh, let's get into the lineups. Uh, Farman, of course, is in net. Carrer, Naldo, and Nastasic in the back. Kalajiri, Benteleb making a start. Over Goretzka, Meyer, Ochipka round out the midfield. Up front, we got Harit, Konoplyanka, and once again, Franco Di Santo. Uh, on the bench, we had Nubo, Goretzka, uh, who's still not fully fit. That's why he didn't start this game. Stambouli, Bergstaller again, which is head-scratching. Piazza, Tukert makes his appearance on the bench, and Imbolo. Uh, what's your thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, so mostly the same from what we've been seeing. I think Ben Taleb is really the only uh, change. Uh, it's good to have him back from injury, especially now that Weston McKennie is going to be out for a little bit. Um, I would have preferred to see Leon Goretzka in the starting lineup, uh, even if he's not 100% match fit in terms of you know maybe being able to complete a full 90. Um, he, has, he just has to be in the starting lineup. We need him at this point in the season. You know, We're trying to qualify for the Champions League. He's our best player. Uh, he needs to be in there. And I don't think, um, from what we saw from Bentaleb today, that Bentaleb was any more match fit than Leon Goretzka was because it seemed like he was um, quite off the pace of the game uh, in the first half in which he played. So, um, But beyond that, yeah, pretty typical. Uh, Konoplyanka back up top wasn't removed from the team after his uh, kind of wild <laughs> performance last week. Um, and then uh, our boy, Franco DeSanto, um, up top. Uh, this was the first week um, that I really noticed a lot of backlash to that from sort of Schalke Twitter. Uh, I feel like I've kind of been shouting into a void to some extent about this. And I, I saw a lot of people finally uh, speaking out and questioning why he continues to start. And uh, all I can really say is, uh, welcome to the club. It's good to have you with me. Um, <laughs> grab yourself a drink and take a seat. And yeah, it's, uh, but beyond that, you know, pretty standard. Uh, it was good to see. Twickert on the bench. Um, I was hoping that he was going to get an opportunity in this one, our new signing. That did not happen, unfortunately. Um, we also did not see the likes of Brielle and Bolo, which is just, you know, head scratching um, <laughs> that these guys can't get more minutes. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, Piazza, Bergstahl, Goretzka, some of the other guys that we've seen um, in and around the team um, all ended up getting looks and they were on the bench to start. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I agree with you about, uh, Bentaleb and Goretzka. They're probably about the same match fitness right now. So go ahead and start Goretzka. Um, you see how much he fades in, in the second half anyway. So that's when you bring in Bentaleb or, or someone else that maybe Stambouli to help shore up the midfield. Uh, but Goretzka is our best player and he should be on the pitch, um, at all times if he, if he can. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the Santo, the hate for him has been increasing. I've been, I was on a bunch of different groups in, on Facebook and that's where everybody was ranting there. Like you said, on Twitter as well. So people are starting to come around and see what we're seeing and, and, and the misunderstanding. Why is he on the pitch when obviously a Burke seller, but you also got Mbolo and you got so many other options that are better than him. Um, but enough with that. <laughs> uh, let's look over Bremen's side. Uh, in goal, they had Pavlenka and the defense, they had Jibra Salisi, Vjelkovic, Moisander, the Swede, uh, Augustinson in the midfield. You had Gondorf, the Gray, Egestine, <laughs> Delaney, Rashitsa, 
Cruz and Bill Fodil uh, rounded up the top. Um, special note on Rashitska. Um, he was recently signed from Vitesse from the Eredivisie. Uh, he's the Kosovar international who uh, is pretty dangerous from the wing, who can bring a much-needed spark to the Bremen attack. So that was just another guy we'd had to keep an eye out for. Yeah, perennial international powerhouse, Kosovo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only other guy they have is uh, Granit, uh, Granit Shakiri or Shakiri, uh, what's his name? Shakiri. Shaka? Yeah, no, Shaka and Shakiri. Shaka's, I think, Shakiri, Swiss. Shakiri, yeah, Shakiri's Swiss as well. Oh, he's like by, by dual citizenship or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think he's, thre- I think he's, yeah, I think he threatened to, uh, go to Kosovo, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think he realizes, I think he realizes the golfing class between the two teams. A little bit, a little bit. No offense to our Kosovo listeners out there. <laughs> which, which I'm sure are numerous. Hopefully they're not in the Decento bandwagon. Anyway, um, so Bremen, they started this match with a, it, uh, what I noticed was a high press and tight marking, much more so than we saw from Hanover or Stuttgart recently. Uh, it seemed like Schalke were forced to make quick, high-risk passes to try to break that down. Um, and they started to do that a bit with some success. Uh, because of this, though, Schalke being carrying possession and Bremen in turn, uh, they realized that Schalke was breaking us down. And so they, they dropped their press to the midfield, kind of like what Stuttgart was doing last, last week. Uh, they became more compact and played narrow. Uh, this seemed to cause Schalke many problems. Uh, They're finding it very difficult to break it down. Um, it wasn't much that came from the, really the first 10 minutes. Uh, not many chances from either side. It was a very cagey affair. Uh, in fact, Di Santo was not, pretty much non-existent at this point. Is that what you saw? Well, I mean, Di Santo is always non-existent, so I don't think that was specific to this match. Um, and honestly, it, you know, it's been kind of a running joke on the pod, the Franco Di Santo thing, and I've tried to have a sense of humor about it. I don't really have a sense of humor about it anymore. It's just to the point where it's really annoying. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, um, and I'm tired of it. And I don't know, I don't know what to. De- I mean, I've said this before, like. Franco DeSanto has to have like Tedesco's nudes or something. There has to be some sort of blackmail <laughs> happening because it is inexplicable. There are other attacking options now. You want to make arguments about the first half of the season, you know, with with injuries and lack of depth, but we have players now. You made this signing. You brought Toykert in, right? Or um, from from uh, from Nuremberg. He hasn't played yet. Why do you sign somebody and not play him? I don't know. Brielle Bolo. He's back from injury. He's fit. Put him in the lineup. Um, it it. Yeah, it doesn't make honestly. Um, I would rather see. I mean, you saw last week, right, where there was um kind of a two man up top, and right. kind of Plianka was one of them. Um, and this time he went with you know sort of like the one central striker. But um, if you wanted to do that that two man up top, put Harit and kind of Plianka up there. Yeah, honestly, I don't care. Just that Franco DeSanto needs to do nothing but sit on the bench, potentially make a late game cameo if we need fresh legs or something. But um. I'm over it. It's it's ridiculous, and it is like I mean, he he provides absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it and it showed in this game over and over. It showed throughout the season, really. Um, I mean, two goals up to this point. It's 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 pretty pathetic for a striker. I mean, our defenders have more goals than than our freaking uh, than De Santo does. Um, you know, an eleventh minute. Let's let's move on a little bit. Eleventh minute. Uh, Amin Herrett with a little trickery. Uh, he passed his defender, slipped a pass over to Caligiri, who made a nice cross to Konoplyanka, um, who got a little header off of it. Um, but the the little Ukrainian attempt went wide. Up to that point, that was the closest opportunity for either team to get some kind of scoring chance. Um, usually, you don't want to see Konoplyanka those opportunities, but I mean, you take what you can get at that point, right? 
Yeah, not the ideal target in the box, uh, but, you know, right off the bat, you're seeing what Harit can do and what he's been doing all season. Uh, you know, makes a great move down the right-hand side, saves the ball from going out at the end line, and uh, smart cut back to Caliguri, who made a very clever cross, I think, that kind of took maybe the defense off guard a little bit, because I think his back was sort of facing the box when he initiated <laughs> yeah, it was, that yeah. cross, and um, it was a really good ball, actually, like right to kind of Planko, who just, you know, isn't maybe the best person to be taking those chances, but uh, just hits it <laughs> a little bit wide, but, you know, bright start. Yeah, and then really through the first 15 minutes, Schalke were pretty much dominating possession. It was something roughly like 61% to 39%. Um, uh, for Bremen, Belfodil was was definitely the most lively uh, for them. Yeah. Uh, if Bremen were going to score, it looked like it was going to come through him because uh, he was definitely all over the place and giving the defenders uh, something to think about. Yeah, not a player that I've actually been too familiar with, but uh, he impressed me. He was somebody that stood out, I thought. Uh, popped up now and again with some some silky plays, some, some dangerous runs. Um, and yeah, he was involved early. Am I alone on this? That Belfodil kind of looks like, uh, the doppelganger for the, uh, Alton Top Brothers. Yeah, he's, he okay. looks very yeah, similar to them. <laughs> I can see that. More like, more like, uh, bloated drunk version of them. But yeah, regardless. <laughs> yeah, <this sounds good. laughs> Yikes. Sorry, Belfodil, if you're listening. <laughs> Coming at him. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Shaka, they, they continued having difficulty breaking down uh, Bremen's compact defense. Uh, so that led Shaka or Tedesco and Shaka to shift their tactics a little bit, and they allowed Bremen to have more possession, uh, hoping that they would come out of their shell, uh, give them some more opportunities. Um, and then something in the 22nd minute that seemed at the time nothing really happened, nothing really too big, but uh, uh, Matija Nastasic picked up a yellow card, Jack. Yeah, he did. There was kind of a 50-50 ball. Um, I forget which Werder Bremen player was involved in that. Maybe it was Cruz or somebody. But um, Nastasic goes in, uh, wins the ball, but is ultimately given a yellow card for uh, what is judged to be a high boot. Um, I, I think it's a call that can be given. I don't know if it has to be given. Um, it was a little high. Studs were up. Um, so I, I see where the ref is coming from on that, but I, I thought it was – slightly harsh especially given how many things this referee ultimately let go in this match um so that seemed kind of uncharacteristic but that that put Nastasic on a yellow card fairly early in the match um and that was also a point of suspension so he was uh, at that point already going to be missing our Bayern game uh yeah. this upcoming week which is bad news for us because I think Nastasic has been pretty solid yeah, so that probably most likely, unless Tedesco throws another wrinkle it would probably be um Stambouli on the right Naldo in the middle and Carrer on the left um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so uh, so the tactic that we talked about, about uh, Tedesco employing, it seemed to work. Uh, and in the 24th minute, Konoplyanka intercepted a pass in his own end. He ended up passing to Max Meyer, who quickly gave it to Nabil Benteleb. Benteleb evaded the defender with like a spinorama type move, gave a long pass to Konoplyanka at midfield. Now, at this point, you expect the defender to be on him or somebody. Uh, but for some reason, Bremen gave Konoplyanka miles of space to operate. Kono took advantage of this by attacking them. Um, he made it to like about 25 meters out unchallenged before he decided to let off a shot. This might still work out for them. Konoplyanka shoots. Oh, and he's through the goalkeeper slots. Yevhen Konoplyanka finds a way through. And for a goalkeeper who has been otherwise outstanding this season... And oh my word, Pavlenka with a howler as he lets the ball slip through his hands and get into the goal. Jack, last week Kona couldn't buy a goal with several quality opportunities. However, this week he scores from a lucky shot from distance. That's, yeah, I guess, how it goes, and, uh, huh? 
Yeah, and his his approach was as you would expect. He cut inside and shot, which is basically all he does. Yep. Um. So uh, I don't know why it seemed to catch Verde Playman off guard. As you said, he wasn't getting uh, marked too tightly. But, um, yeah. I mean, it it, it was an on target effort, but nothing that really challenged the goalkeeper at all. It hit Pavlenka directly in his mitts, and uh, you know, just scored it over the top of him and, and went in. It's yeah, as you said, it's an absolute howler and. Uh, unfortunate because Pavlenka's, you know, had a had a pretty good season for them, and up up until that point, I thought Verda Bremen had uh, had a very good account of themselves early in that match, and that was something that was sort of against the run of play, and obviously just a random error, and I thought, uh, you know, was pretty harsh on them, um, but we'll take it, and that's you know what, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta get a shot off, you know, exactly. Put, I mean, not that you want to, you know, be shooting from distance every time you come down the pitch, but um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Schalke do that a little bit more often, just hit something hard on target and see what happens. Sometimes you get a lucky deflection and, um, you know, the more balls you put in play, the more opportunities for that kind of thing that there are. So, um, yeah, yeah good to see kind of playing get on the score sheet though. Um, he should have been on the score sheet a couple times last game and he yeah. scored a little bit today. Uh, that would be his second goal of the season, uh, in the Bundesliga, at least, uh, Schalke, they seem to play better when Kompianka's in the lineup, right? Not many goals, but he has, impo- he's important because he creates chances and there's a flow to the team, it seems. Yeah, we were, I thought we were missing his influence a little bit, uh, for, the, you know, the couple games prior to last week and this week where he was out. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's just really lively. You know, he, he has a lot of speed. He pushes things forward. He, he kind of, um, Schalke have a tendency at times, I think, to, um, and even in this game, to some extent, when the ball turns over, as good as we are on in transitional play and, you know, sort of on the break, sometimes there's, you know, a little bit of hesitancy or, um, you know, an, a horizontal pass doesn't need to be made. And kind of playing is very much a vertical player. Um, and, I, and I think that sort of mindset and energy serves us well and uh, opens up things for other players. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, so... <laughs> I'm gonna move it, I'm gonna move move along to the 36th minute. Uh, Amin Harit, uh, he's over on the right side of the field along the touchline. He gets rubbed off the ball, and the ball goes out of bounds. Uh, he began pleading his case to the referee. So far, nothing out of the norm. However, the coach for Bremen, Florian Kofeld, uh, he unexplicably began to berate the Frenchman, which forced the fourth officials to jump in. Uh, what was up with that, Jack? Did you see that? I actually did not see that. Yeah, so you know he's he's trying to go down the right side of the uh, right side of the pitch, and I forget who's the marking him for Bremen, and he like you know smartly uses his body to to show go get him go out of bounds and lose the ball, and Bremen gets yeah. the ball. So you know Harry, as any player would do, would say, "Come on, he shoved me." Blah blah blah. It's a foul. And then all of a sudden, the the Bremen coach just started yelling at Harit out of nowhere, just yelling at him, whatever. And the, four, the like two or three officials came over and like pulled him back. I thought initially that he ejected Kofeld. Uh, um, but it, he, he said in the game, but yeah, it was just so weird to see. He just started braiding him. I don't know if, I mean, obviously there's a language gap there because I, I don't think Harit speaks German quite yet, maybe just a little bit, but yeah, what the heck was up with that? I just, it just seemed odd to me. That's interesting. I'll have to go back and check that out. I feel like I vaguely remember the commentator mentioning something. I must have missed it when it actually happened though. Um, yeah, that's unusual for a, for a manager to go after a player that aggressively specifically. Yeah, you, um, you expect that in like the Classico when it was like, you yeah. know, uh, Pep Guardiola versus Mourinho and the players know each other well, but they yeah. don't know each other that well at all. Yeah, I will say that Harita has been getting a little chattier in recent matches in terms of um, talking to the refs, looking for fouls and stuff. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, yeah. you know, uh, he was getting upset with him for how much he was looking for stuff. But as we said earlier, there was a lot that was um, not being called, I thought, that might have been called in another match. So 
Um, if there were frustrations for Harit or other players, I wouldn't blame him for that necessarily. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when Shaq was having as difficult of a time as we were sort of break because I don't think we really did anything in the first half. Do you? From an, we, from like a chance creation standpoint, no, because um, I mean it went to halftime one nothing. I mean, no, we did maybe we did more than Bremen did, but it wasn't that wasn't much yeah. to do. It was hard because they were so compact. It was hard for us to break it down. But we just kept kept we were like it seemed like we were you know totally uh, happy with keeping possession in the in the midfield and just playing back and forth trying to figure out a way to pass them. It was like a chess game, a bad chess yeah, game. So when you're not being able to create anything, and then on top of that, you're not getting the set piece or free kick opportunities that you think maybe you should based on. Um, you know, some fouls that are happening that can kind of raise tempers as well. Um, I thought, I thought Bremen did a, a very good job of um, quieting Max Meyer in the first half. I think yeah. Eggestein seemed to be man-marking him the entire half. Um, yeah. And then often another Werder Bremen player, or sometimes two, would kind of come over and, and join in. I don't think he was as uh, uh, overloaded as what Leipzig was doing to him. Um, like a few games back where they seemed to have four or five around him constantly, but that was part of it too. They were very compact in the, in the center of the pitch and Max Meyer didn't get an opportunity to get on the ball all that often. And um, we really had time, a difficult time advancing it and really doing much. It was a pretty, uh, pretty lame first half in terms of the action. I thought. Yeah, no, and definitely. And it seemed like, like I said, uh, it was hard for Schalke because they had to make some quick passes to get, you know, get through that, through that defense. Um, and then even when they did, it seemed like the final third was lacking. Uh, there was no no inspiration, no no thought, no clarity to what they wanted to do. Um, so they just kept making meaningless passes, meaningless runs, um, and that definitely affected the outcome because I mean there was not many opportunities for either team in the first half. Yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to mention about the first half was um, in, in the thirty second minute, I believe it was, um, Nastasic rolled up on one of the Werder Bremen players from behind and took him down, did not win the ball, and was lucky to avoid a second yellow at that point. And so that was something I was looking for um, at, ha- at halftime was maybe putting Stambouli in right, and replacing yeah. him. And I the, ref, the ref's already got his eye on, on, on the sausage at this point. So. Exactly. He's committed a yellow. He's committed another tackle that maybe could have been given a yellow, and he's kind of on thin ice, and I was looking for that sub to happen at halftime, and that did not happen. So... Um, I think we're going to get in when we talk about the second half here in a second about uh, a lot of what the, the players did that was unfortunate. But I think uh, this was not Tedesco's strongest managerial game either. No, yeah. And then this is very untypical of Nasasic too because usually it's Carrier in this position where he's very yeah. aggressive and then he keeps being aggressive and you're like, wait, calm down, dude. you got to either come off or slow, slow the fuck down. Absolutely. Um, so it was that was also another element. But, yeah, I agree with you. Tactically and and for a game as far as game coaching, uh, this was not Tedesco's uh, best game by far. Uh, I don't know if it, I would say it's the worst game of his of his of his season so far, but it, it's it's up there because um, it's because they couldn't do anything offensively, and uh, once things started to go awry, he didn't have a seem to answer for it. So, uh, but let's uh, at halftime there was a substitution. Goretzka came on for Bentaleb. Um, which is I, that makes sense, I guess, but it doesn't. Also, if you had started Goretzka, he probably could have gone to like the 65th minute or something like that, yeah. as he had been in the last previous games. So it, it, to waste a sub at that early in the game um, was unfortunate, you know. But uh, uh, it is what it is, I guess. I, I think what you saw is that I think this Goretzka sub somewhat validated um, the approach that Tedesco was taking. Um, as you said earlier, once we dropped back and started inviting. Um, Bremen to come out a little bit and it, it open up and expand so that we might be able to catch them on the break. Um, I think the problem partially 
was that uh, Goretzka would maybe normally be the guy in the center of the park spurring that on to some extent. Um, and Bentaleb was in that role instead, and he was, as we said, just sort of uh, off the pace of the match and wasn't particularly involved. Um, and once Goretzka came in the second half, um, suddenly that approach started to pay dividends significantly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so a few minutes after, in a few minutes into the second half, uh, Caligiri would send in a corner kick, and of course, Naldo gets on the end of it. Uh, but unfortunately for us, his shot missed wide. I bring that up because only a few minutes later, uh, we had another corner kick. Naldo had another headed opportunity, which was saved. He followed it up with a shot attempt. So that's two shots uh, in a matter of seconds for Naldo. Before the match, uh, Kofeld said that they would triple team Naldo to try to shut him down on set pieces. But clearly, Jack, uh, Naldo is unstoppable, it seems, in these situations. Yeah, three goals in his last four matches. I think he's, what is he up to, six maybe? Overall? Five or six, yeah, something like Five that. Five or six. Um, certainly looked like he might score again. You know, he had a, he got his head on a couple of them, and uh, yeah, same old story, different uh, different day, same thing. Uh, he 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 gets higher than everybody else, and seems to uh, when you know get get ahead to those balls whenever he wants to. So in the fifty seventh minute, we would get like a microcosm of Di Santo at Schalke. Frankie Di Santo was set up with a glorious opportunity one on one with Pavelenka. And then he pulled the corner Plyanka, shanking it sideways. Jack, was that a pass for Farman? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so... It was uh, horrendous. Counter Plyanka's chip last week, if you recall, where he got into a one-on-one situation and then chipped and basically shot the opposite direction of the goal. <laughs> um, this was that same thing, but to Santos. So, yeah, uh, a long ball gets played, and I forget who plays it in, but um, it's kind of a one-on-one situation with DeSanto and Delaney, who misjudges it and ultimately falls down. Uh, DeSanto controls it and turns and, uh, it, you know, a difficult angle, but he's kind of got a, an opportunity for a one-on-one with the keeper at this point. Um, and he's taking it kind of on like a, you know, uh, uh, I think the ball bounces up. He's trying to take it out of the air and kind of like a volley. And uh, yeah, he slices it and it goes, I don't even know if it went out for a corner. I think it went out for like a throw. A throw, yeah. That's how, <laughs> that's how bad it was. That's how far wide it was. It was nowhere near the goal um it was brutal and that's the point where i think i started seeing stuff on twitter about how awful he is and i was like i mean yeah uh <laughs> what have you been watching for the last you know see uh, half a season he's been doing that i mean he's he's terrible but i will give him credit for one thing a couple minutes earlier he uh really had, had a nice yeah i will the, <laughs> the rare piece of credit uh he had a nice run down the left hand side um and looked like he was gonna cross it but ended up shooting near post um, and that was actually a phenomenal shot and forced to save from Pavlenka, um, and went out for one of the corners that we had, you know, oh, right, right off the right, bat. Yeah. And, um, that was a nice piece of play from DeSanto. One of the only things he's done really all season. Uh, and then yeah. of course he follows it up several minutes later with the, the piece of play that we just spoke about and kind of, uh, you know, erases that, uh, <laughs> positive feeling that I had for him. It was very brief. It didn't last very long. Yeah, so in the 65th minute, Chalka Twitter finally got to Tedesco. DeSanto would finally get subbed off for Bergstaller. Um, uh, why Bergstaller didn't start, neither of us will find out, but um, it was better to have him in there than DeSanto, obviously, just for what he can bring to the team. Though this wasn't one of his strongest games either, but um, it's always a, it's always good to see Bergstaller on the pitch. Yeah, um, honestly, I would have liked to see Tukert or or Mbolo or somebody more speed um, yeah because I, I don't yeah I don't think I mean we had the lead at this point um you know you you have this guy on the bench the new signing uh put him in 
see what he has. Like, I think, I think the fans are just, um, you know, I, I like Bergstaller. I think he needs to be in and around, you know, the starting lineup the rest of the season. Cause I think he is, you know, has the quality to contribute. And I think he, what does he have like six goals or so he's outside of, he's like one of our highest scores outside of Naldo. Um, and, but these guys are known commodities, right? Like, like we know what we're getting from DeSanto, which is to say nothing. Um, and we know what we're getting from Bergstahl, which is, you know, fairly consistent, like, you know, decent play. Um, but we have these, these other options. And I guess it's fair to say that we know what we're getting from Bolo. Um, but we have this other guy. And I think we just want to see what he has to offer. Exactly. Like, g- give us some. I mean, it, it's not. It's not as if, um, you know, Bergstaller and DeSanto are producing at such a high level that it that it's like, oh man, I you know I'd give him an opportunity if only you know the form of these other strikers dropped off. But as long as they're playing so well, you know, we can't just change up the lineup. They're not playing well. You would think DeSanto is playing like Lewandowski the way he's playing on the pitch all the exactly. time. Like, uh, starting exactly. Starting to yeah. say. I mean, like if <laughs> I swear, I swear, like if. If Toyker came on the pitch and did absolutely nothing, that would not be a downgrade from DeSanto. Like, exactly, he, he could play. He could play horribly, and it, it would be a wash. It would, you know, it'd be a like 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 for like substitution. So it's it's just very frustrating that that you know this is kind of the situation that we're being put in. Um, you know, we struggle to score goals, and Tesco seems to be intent on doing everything in his power to keep that happening. Um, and I'm not trying to criticize him too heavily. Um, I'm, I'm ranting again right now. Uh, you know, he's, he's been obviously phenomenal this season, but that's something that is really beginning to wear on me. Um, let's, let's get some bodies on the pitch that, that are capable of doing something for us because our defense has not been good enough recently to, uh, win games when we only score once. Um, because we're not keeping clean sheets anymore. You know, no. we did, I mean, the Shukar game, you know, whatever, but, um, we talked about this a couple pods ago. If we don't score more than one goal, we generally don't win. And the players we have on the pitch are not good enough to be putting in multiple goals right now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so they got to find some ways to get some scoring. Uh, we, in the 69th minute, you know, Kampoyanka did have a another shot attempt on net. Uh, this this it was saved. It was on target, and it was saved. Uh, but he has created opportunities uh, despite his lack of scoring. Um, so at least, at least we're mentioning his name in, in a good vein in, in that respect too. Yeah. Um, in the 70th minute, uh, Gondorf the Gray would be subbed off for Frodo Baggins. <laughs> no, no, wait. Uh, that was Yunozovic. Uh, my bad. Uh, I saw that wrong. Uh, but for us though, Marco Piazza would be subbed on for Konoplyanko. So Konoplyanko was, he had some decent opportunities in this game. It wasn't as many as last game. Uh, but we finally get to see Marco Piazza and hopefully he could, uh, spark the team a little, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, kind of Planky had kind of run himself ragged. I don't think that was, you know, a substitution based on his performance. I thought he played no. pretty well. And, uh, you know, Piazza's somebody that I think we were all excited to uh, see come on. That was a good sub. So uh, the opening 25 minutes of the second half, Schalke were pressing to get that, you know, they were very desperate to get that second goal. And you could tell that they were growing frustrated. Um uh, you know, a few minutes after Piazza coming on, uh, he intercepted a pass at midfield, made a decent run, and he managed to get a shot off, uh, which was saved. Jack, clearly at this point, uh, Piazza was just trying to get into the game quickly any way he could, and by that he would just go and try to take shots. Yeah, very much kind of taking up the same sort of position that uh, kind of Plianka had, you know, getting out on the left side and cutting in and trying to get some shots off. And uh, yeah, good to see him getting in the flow of the match. And um, I think I tweeted out around this time, if not a little bit earlier, uh, that uh, you could sense that we needed to make something happen 
yeah. sooner rather than later because it was going to be a repeat of the Hanover match. Exactly. Um, when, when you have a team uh, on the back heel as much as Schalke did at the beginning of the second half, you have to take advantage of those opportunities. And um, Yeah, the football yeah. gods will rear their heads, you know, so – yeah, and Piazza almost did a couple minutes later, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, so just before that play, um, Goretzka, Harit, and Piazza, they, uh, they worked a nice little passing triangle, which ultimately led to uh, them springing Bergstaller for a great chance that he flubbed. Ultimately, he was deemed offsides, and it wouldn't have counted. But, you know, Bergstaller, when he gets to a situation, he didn't even know that he was offsides. Um, so... Given that he was in that situation, he needs to do better on a finishing because uh, it was a poor attempt and the, the goaltender just swallowed him up. Uh, as a striker, and if he wants to be on the starting lineup every time, he needs to be able to finish those opportunities. You know, yes, you're offsides, but you still need to try to get a good shot off. Yeah, well, I think that's where he's most dangerous, right, is um, in, in and around the box and kind of making those quick runs off. The, I mean, that's he's got great movement around there. and I think Great that's instinct, where he, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually saw that a little bit differently than you did. I think okay. – in my opinion, I think he thought he was offside immediately, and so he hesitated because he was uh, waiting for that. I mean, and obviously that's his fault too. Um, you need to play until you hear the whistle, right? Right. Uh, but that it was, was a late, was very, it late was whistle. a very, very delayed call, and so I think that kind of confused everybody because he thought he was off, and then you know ultimately kind of gets a half-assed shot once he realizes that he's got to keep playing. Right. I guess in the same vein, had he shot it and, and scored wherever he could have got a yellow for maybe the referee would have said, "Hey, you're trying to you're, you're continuing to play when I when I stopped it." Because we've seen yeah. that before in the past from other teams. Um, uh, so in the 78th minute, uh, Caligiri turned it over, uh, and it led to a great pass to Belfodil, uh, which forced Nastasic to make a play on him and give up. A, otherwise, he's going to give up a goal scoring chance. Unfortunately. Uh, he impeded uh, Belfodil, and he was given a second yellow of the match and ejected. This had a clear effect on the game, Jack. What are your thoughts on what transpired there? Yeah, well, Belfodil obviously made a meal of that. Uh, there was a very, very slight tug by Nastasic on his shoulder, and then Belfodil just falls over. I thought really um, it was like a slap with his hand more, more than anything. Yeah, but either way, I mean, you can't do that. If you're Nastasic, like, I mean, if you do that, you're going to risk getting that called. And I'm not saying it was a bad call. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, Belfadil did what he could to make sure the ref saw it, which is, right. you know, fair play to him. Um, yeah, it's stupid, stupid play by Nastasic. I mean, you, you can't do that there. Um, if you didn't have a yellow card already, yeah, maybe you make that tackle because you, you're trying to, you know, stop a goal scoring opportunity. But, um, you know, when, when it's a tight match like that, you already have the lead. The last thing you want to do is go a man down. And that was just a stupid piece of play from him. Um, and yeah, it did have an effect on the match. You know, we were trying to push on and, uh, you know, take the lead and we, we seem to be doing a very good job of putting them under a lot of pressure. And then suddenly you get rid of one of our defenders and that can throw everything out of whack and have us, um, you know, a little bit more exposed in the back and it kind of hurt, you know, the attacking momentum that we had built up. And to top it all off, Schalke were given, given up a free kick on the edge of the penalty area. Uh, so a dangerous free kick. And on the ensuing free kick, the, the normally steady fireman fumbles the shot. In the ball for Schalke. Four in Werder White trying to make a nuisance of themselves. Augustinsson. Oh, it's been spilled. Cruiser! Another goalkeeper mistake in this game. And another goal. It's an equaliser for the skipper today. Max Cruiser. And Max Cruz finishes it off to equalize the game, punishing Schalke for missed opportunities earlier. That would be Cruz's fifth of the season. It gets from bad to worse, Jack. 
yeah, it's very weird. The uh, kind of the symmetry in this match because Fairman's mistake is almost identical um, to Pavlenka's earlier. Uh, exactly. it's, it's a very pretty easy shot directly at him. Hits him in the mitts, and he just it, you know he it drops out. And actually, um, very good play from Aaron Johansson. Yeah, an Ajo sighting. Um, <laughs> that's somebody that was very much sort of in the first team picture for the U.S. men's national team for a while, then suffered an injury and has really kind of been um, anonymous ever since. But good to see him kind of back, I guess, getting some minutes for Vera Bremen. Anyway, um, he, he reacted to that very quickly and got a foot to it, which was which kept Fairman from being able to recover. And then ultimately that it fell to Cruz and he, he knocked it in. But um, yeah, I mean, exactly what we're talking about. You have to be able to kill this match off. It's something that Schalke has struggled to do. Um, you know, we had the goal lead, we had them under pressure and had ample opportunity to knock in a second. Um, and then, you know, uh, an unfortunate piece of play and suddenly it's one, one. Yeah. And we, and we can't say we didn't see this coming cause we knew, uh, I mean, Schalke knew even, uh, you know, they had to get that second goal. Cause like you said, they have, it's been rare that they had shutouts. Uh, they've always needed at least multiple goals to win games. They, they haven't won anything, won nothing. So, um, they, they knew if they didn't get a goal, this would happen and it did happen. Um, so now they're down to 10 men and the remainder of the match would pretty be an open, a wide open one. Um, cause Shaka were pressing to get another goal. They don't want to be left into a draw and they left themselves wide open in the back. Um, and then in the, you know, you just mentioned this guy in the 83rd minute, I mean, Harit seemed to be taken down in the box by one Aaron Johansson, but there was no call. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, this was sketchy. To say the least, uh, it I don't looked know. like a thigh into to Amin Harit. It looked like a good foul. I mean, a foul. It looked like a foul, not a good foul, but a foul. I don't know if the ref was hesitant to call it because you know there had just been an equalizer, um, and he didn't want to you know give the penalty if he wasn't sure about it. Uh, I'll say this: as far as contact, that was I think a far clearer foul than Nastasic's foul. On oh yeah! Field. Oh yeah! Um, there was clear contact for me. Um, I don't think. Harit made too much of it either. I think he was literally just taken off the ball. It was in the box. I think it should have been a penalty personally. Yeah, it should have. Um, it was sort of a, it was a clumsy challenge from, from Aaron Johansson, but it wasn't called. Um, and that was a huge moment in the match. And this is where I started thinking that the referees had it out for us because it seemed like every call was starting to go uh, Brayman's way. Um, so that happened. Nothing, no call there. Game continued maybe like a minute later. Um, the play you referenced earlier, Marco Piazza came down the left-hand side and then uh, put in a beautiful curler past Pavlenka. One problem, it hits the post. Um, yeah, it just, that just seemed to be Schalke's day. You get opportunities, though that was the best one of the bunch uh, that didn't go in. Um, it just couldn't find a way to get past into the, the net, really. I mean, you, you beat the goaltender finally, but it hits the post. Uh, yeah, we're seeing a trend here in terms of Piazza being able to uh, create space for his own shot. Yep. Whether it was his goal against Stuttgart, um, that was that Hanover. Was that the Hanover match though? Actually, that might have been the Hanover. Yeah, Hanover, yeah, it was two Sorry, weeks ago. I when he got to start. Yeah, um, but you know, uh, cutting cutting back right and buying himself space. He did the same thing here. Um, it gets gets a great shot off, uh, and honestly, this is a matter of inches from being a goal. Because it, it it's you know it curls it's a great curling shot beats the keeper hits the post it hits the inside of the post too yeah um but bounces out if that thing is you know two inches to the left it probably is far enough inside the post that uh you know it, it bounces in as opposed to out so uh just you know fractional piece of play there that kept Schalke from taking the lead at that point but a great effort from Piazza 
Yeah, and other than other than that chance and a few chances from him and Konoplyanka, the movement in the final third was definitely not there for the Royal Blues. Uh, they just couldn't find a way to get past that, that compact defense from from um, from Bremen, and so they were forced to take shots like that. And that one nearly made it through, but um, yeah, you know when you get shots from distances, more than more off more times than not, it's not going to go in. Um, so Schalke need to do better on that as far as the attacking end if they want to get need to get more goals in because clearly one goal is not enough for them in any game. Um, in the 85th minute, this is where we started getting a little uh, chippy and our our we started our anger started to build. Um, Tilo Kerrer won the ball from a Bremen, Bremen player at the edge of the box, but the referee called Kerrer for the foul, gave him a yellow, and awarded a free kick in a dangerous location. That's like again, as I said, all calls seem to be going Bremen's way at this point, Jack. Yeah, this one, I, I'll i give the ref the benefit of the doubt on this one. Yeah, he came from the back. Um, yeah, I mean, so Kara won the ball here, and I think that the, the Schalke players were incensed that this was, you know, called a foul and that Kara received a yellow. Um, you know, Max Meyer and all, a bunch of guys were screaming at the ref for this. Um, to be fair, on the replay, what you see is that Tilo Kara actually uh, grabbed his shoulder Yes, to kind of slow him down and open him up and give himself the angle to make that tackle. So even though he won the ball, I think the argument can be made that um, you know he committed a foul immediately before that. And um, yeah, yeah, it was. Those were more. Yeah. Those are more calls than the ones that Nastasic got early in the game. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that going either way. I, I'm not going to get too upset about that one, but um, you know, given the way some of these things had gone, I can understand why the Schalke players were upset. All right, so you'll give that one to you'll give that one to the to the referee. That one. How about this one? In the ninety second minute, Burke Seller appeared to be fouled by the Bremen player near the box. The ref waved off the play and uh, and said, "Continue on." Uh, Burke Seller clearly though was infuriated and tried to retaliate, going after a Bremen player, nearly injuring him. I don't know if you saw that in the back play because it was if you watch if you're watching the game, it was towards the, the left hand side of the screen because the ball is on the far right side. So it was, it was just going out of the view, but Burke Seller was trying to take it out on somebody, and he nearly got him. Didn't he just like tackle him almost? Yeah, yeah. Like, was, he just like grabbed him and almost like pulled him down. Yeah. I mean, was, if the referee uh, saw it, it might have been a red card. I mean, I that's how bad it was. He just went after because he was clearly pissed off. I, mean, I, I thought. Think, I think the ref did see it, and then he just allowed it to play advantage. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought he was. I actually thought he was going to come back and book him and give him a yellow for it, and he didn't. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't see it. Um, well, maybe he didn't book him because because uh, of what happened shortly thereafter. Uh, just a minute later, I mean, Harit trying too hard to spark something, turned it over at midfield. That ball ends up finding that American again, uh, or Icelandic American, Aaron Johansson, who does a beautiful, beautiful lofted pass to Egestine, uh, who is completely taken out by Farman, um, which would, I think, would have been a penalty had this not happened. The ball trickles past him. Johansson, Egestine, mighty win it! Oh, it's a foul by Farman, is it? It doesn't matter! Yunusovic has grabbed a winner! Schalke have paid the ultimate price. Yunus out-hustles Tilo Kerr on the play, pokes it into the net, and with seconds remaining, gives Bremen all three points. Yeah, it's it's the Leipzig match all over again, right? The Caligari <sighs> pass, um, you know, sprung Belfadil, which which caused, you know, the second yellow for Nastasic, and then the free kick, which led to the goal, and then here, yeah. um, Harit with just, it's stoppage time. What are you doing? You have the draw. He makes this completely inadvisable cross-field pass, which was really nowhere near his intended target. I don't even know no. who he was going for. Was it Meyer, maybe? Um, 
And it's just it's picked up. Ultimately, falls to Aaron Johansson, as you said. Beautiful chip pass to uh, Agustine, who's kind of making a diagonal run into the box. Fairman comes out and just completely takes him out. <laughs> um, uh, and then it kind of squirts around, and Yunusovic is able to chase it down and, and kind of poke it home. If he hadn't been able to, it would have been called a penalty, I think. Exactly. Um, because of Fairman's tackle. So, uh, yeah, right at the death, Verda Bremen in stoppage time. Steal it. And uh, <laughs> I mean, wh- what do you say about it? I mean, th- this is a game that 20 minutes ago um, – was a win. Was was I guarantee? You, I mean, yeah. I mean, the amount of opportunities we had, and just unable to finish anything. And then even, you know, ten minutes earlier, the you know the Piazza shot off the off the. I mean, this could have gone our way so many times, but um, you just can't leave things to chance like that. And you know, Verda Bremen, to their credit, kept chugging and, and took the opportunities they got, and they were able to uh, come in here and steal a win at the last second. And uh, now, a total of what four points. Yep, out of from, possible from, nine. Out of the possible nine for these three teams that aren't particularly good. But, you know, we said this going into this match, right? Werder Bremen, despite their position in the table, is a team who, if you actually look at the individual games, their results have not been as bad as you would have expected them to be, given how low they are in the table, right? Yeah, every game's been close. Exactly. They play teams very tight. They've beaten Dortmund this season, have they not? Yes, they have. Yeah, so they, they play teams close. They play tight matches. Um, and, you know, and if you let them hang around, you're risking them going on and getting this. And so, you know, I, I think the average amount of points that teams have picked up per game against these three teams that we were talking about is almost two points per game and Schalke end up with about 1.3 from this run. So this is pretty much the opposite of what we are looking for um, in this three three game run between, you know, the bookends of, of Leipzig and and Bayern. And, uh, you know, we are in danger. We're, we're in fifth place now after this result um, dropping down the table a little bit and we're in danger of uh, dropping even further if we don't manage to get a result against Bayern Munich which is you know always a tough challenge and is going to be even uh, a larger ask given that we have uh, a midweek fixture you know in the DFB Pokal against Wolfsburg which is going to uh, put further stress on you know the fitness levels of our squad absolutely and uh, you know like you said we're now fifth in the table not only are we behind Bayern and Leverkusen but also Leipzig jumps over us and Dortmund. So uh, the one team we wanted to be ahead of, we're not behind, ahead of now. And luckily for us today, Frankfurt lost to Augsburg because uh, otherwise they would have jumped us as well. So we could be in sixth place right now. So I guess that's a glimmer of of uh, positivity there you can you can take. But um, yeah, uh, it's not a good trend right now, and and we'll see how uh, Tedesco implores his lineup coming into this uh, this big week ahead with the game in the midweek and then game against Bayern next weekend. Schalke fans, what did you make of this match against Bremen? Tell us about it at SOF4 Podcast on Twitter. All right, uh, so let's transition to the DFB, DFB Pokal matchup against Wolfsburg and then the Bayern matchup. But before that, uh, Max Meyer was offered a deal, uh, I think it was something like five years, $5 million a season, um, clearly they're trying to lock up at least one of their two stars, uh, on, uh, expired contracts. Um, what do you think, what do you think of the chances that Meyer accepts this deal? I don't know, man. I, I honestly have no read on it. I know that he's been linked to a lot of clubs. Um, there was a lot of chatter on transfer deadline day, um, sort of out of the blue where suddenly it seemed like there were some teams making a move for, for him. Um, you know, namely Arsenal was trying to steal him at the last second. 
Um, you know, and there is that tie there with, uh, you know, Klasinich, who's there currently. Um, I, I hope he stays. I think he is, has been in the past a very important player for us and has become an even more important player with, you know, with this rebirth that we've talked about extensively. He's been um, such an integral part of this side and really showing you the quality he has. And, and you know, um, he's somebody who could be, a leader and a fixture for us in the midfield for a very long time. And I hope he, we would find a way to keep him, but um, you know, it, that hasn't been our track record. Uh, Goretzka's leaving and yep. maybe, maybe that influences decision as well. I don't know if those two are really a package deal in that sense where, you know, they want to, you know, stick together. If people start jumping ship that everyone's going to jump ship, who knows, but um, you know, decent offer at least from Schalke and we'll see if, if Meyer takes it, but uh you know, we're in danger, as is the case with Goretzka, of not only losing him, but losing him for nothing, losing him on a free uh, because of the contract situation. So uh, what are your yeah. thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, being in this new position that he finds, he takes pride in this position and he wants to continue to grow under Tedesco, hoping that uh, his tutelage is helping him become a better, even better player, more known commodity. Um do I think he'll stay though? That's, that's a tough call. Uh, like I said, begin the season, I would have guessed Meyer would have left before Goretzka, given how their uh, mentality was coming into the season. Um, maybe that's changed now that he's in a new position and he's starting consistently now. Uh, hopefully he likes the project that's going on here in, in Gelsenkirchen and wants to, wants to bring the team back to glory. Uh, I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, but I, just like you, I have no idea what he's thinking right now. I mean, that's a decent offer, like you said. Um, but my other thing is maybe he saw that Gretzka was offered the deal first and he wasn't. So maybe they're thinking him as chump change and just try to hold on to something. And maybe he takes offense to that. Uh, he also say that, you know, Gretzka was offered 12 million a season and he's only offered five. Why isn't he offered more? So it could go either way. And I'm not really sure how this is going to play out. I mean, if he does leave, you just have Stambouli at this point. You need to go out there and find a, a good, uh, register or a number six that they're doing and they have in Germany. Um, to fill that position. Um, is there anyone out there? I mean, we had hopes with Johannes Geis, um, but that never really panned out. Could you bring him back and, and put him in that position? I don't know if that would work. Uh, maybe you need to go to Netherlands and find a youngster there, but um, some way, somehow, they need to make sure that he stays. And I think it's a good offer. We'll see uh, in a couple of weeks if he responds. I hope he doesn't come out with a similar statement to Goretzka, uh, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I think we all have very high hopes for for Weston McKinney, Um, but I don't think he's that type of player, right? No, um, he's, he's 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 more, a box to box. Yeah, he's more comparable to like Goretzka. I'm I'm not saying you know that they're any, any anywhere near each other in terms of technical ability or overall quality, but I'm I think he's more in that vein. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Than than what Meyer is, and I think we really need somebody who is uh you know calm and composed in possession and can direct the play and spread things out and. Uh, I mean, it'd be a huge loss. It's been such an important part of what Tedesco has been trying to do in this system. Um, yeah, fingers crossed, man. All right, so this week we got two games up ahead. We got the DFP Pokal against Wolfsburg, and then we got Bayern Leverkusen or Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, excuse me, um, up ahead. So the question is, what does Tedesco do with the lineups? Um, you know, they're going to be at home again, where Schalke seems to struggle this season at home. On the road, they seem to do much better. Uh, the results will, will show that. Um, but, um, you know, 
he hasn't rotated the team very much this season, and with two big games in this week, because you got you know quarterfinal matchup here uh, against Wolfsburg, which you know Chalk would love to progress in the tournament. And then also you got Bayern, which you want to make a statement after uh, a bad loss early in the season. What do you do with the lineups? Uh, do you keep the same lineup both games? You shouldn't. I mean, you think I think you should rotate. You should keep some of the guys the same, but um, you know, obviously Bentaleb and Goreska are not fit enough to be playing a full ninety, so. You don't do that, and then in the, in the attack, are you going to bring in some of the new guys like Tuker, Piazza, and Bolo to start? Yeah. Or are you going to keep the same old, same old, and keep the Santo and, and Bergseller? So there's so many what ifs in, in this next week, and uh, I'm hoping we get to see some kind of rotation in this game, and in this in this games, and hopefully be for the for the for the better. Um, how do you see? Let's start with the Pokal. How do you see that game going? Yes, I wasn't sure how. Tedesco was going to approach this. I, I think he would very much like to get some silverware in his first year, and yeah. we've made a good run in, in the Pokal and have a chance to, you know, advance and you know get into a you know a semi or you know potentially even a final. So part of me feels like you know the club maybe wants to prioritize this, but at the end of the day, um, Champions League qualification yeah. has to be your primary goal. So it wasn't shocking to me that um, he went with the lineup he did in the in the Werder Bremen game, um, but. Part of me feels like he's not going to change the squad up that much for Wolfsburg. Maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that he's clearly prioritizing one or the other. But um, I think I think what he might be doing, what I'm suspecting he might be doing, is you know he kept the lineup intact for Bremen because he thought he could win that game and needed to. He's going to keep the line in, uh, lineup intact for Wolfsburg because he wants to win that. And then maybe you see some rotation against Bayern because it's Bayern. Um. I don't know. And, and maybe not. Maybe because that's a, obviously a huge fixture. Like anytime you play Bayern, it's a big game. Right. And you'd want to be strong. But given how good they are, maybe he's just going to like take a chance with some random players and see what happens because maybe he's expecting to lose anyway. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays out. And yeah, there's a chance that he keeps the same lineup all three games. And well, yeah, if you look at the, if you look call. at just before the Christmas break, uh, we had the DFU Pokal match against, uh, Cologne. And we also had uh, two games in between. I think it was Frankfurt and, um, and Augsburg. Or I forget who the teams were, but he seemed to keep all the same lineup for all three games, and that. And I'm hoping that that trend doesn't continue. Um, Cologne and, and Wolfsburg are comparable teams. Uh, Cologne has definitely gotten better since they, they got a new manager, uh, but Wolfsburg are definitely um, are going to be hard to beat. And then Bayern's always hard, uh, no matter what, what year it is, uh, especially now that Upankis is back and he's got the team uh, kicking up on all cylinders. So um, it'll be interesting uh, when the, when the lineups come out on Wednesday. Uh, I fully expect it to be very similar to what we just saw this past weekend. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, what, what do you think? What, are you, what is your predictions given the current state of the club? Uh, the results against uh, Wolfsburg. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to go with a stoppage time victory for uh, Schalke <laughs> in the Pokal. That would okay. go to stoppage time. They wouldn't replay that, right? I don't point, think yeah. so. That's bad. I don't know how that works. I, mean, I think yeah. it's, I think it's stoppage time. I'm gonna go with the stoppage time victory for Wolfsburg. We'll see if that's even possible. Um, uh, I mean, for Schalke against Wolfsburg. Um, stumbling over my words here a little bit. <laughs> and then uh, Bayern. <laughs> I mean, come on, like it's a total crapshoot. It's gonna be um, yeah. It's gonna be close I, loss or big loss. I, I fully expect us to lose that match, um, but I hope we do it in style. Is what I'll say. 
Now we're talking about install like the Dortmund first half, or uh... <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I, I hope I hope we at least you know have a good account of ourselves as well. Okay, okay, okay. Have something that you can you know. There are no moral victories, but I hope we put in a performance that could you know at least kind of be in that vein, right? Where we we aren't totally embarrassed. Right. No, and no, I agree with you there. Um, so for me, I think hmm, I don't know. Uh, I think it'll be a narrow victory against Wolfsburg also. Maybe not stoppage time. I'm hoping not that late and give me a heart attack. But uh, I do think it'll be closer than we'd like. And then Bayern is at home, which is uh, always a difficult task. They are a juggernaut at home. I mean, they're a juggernaut no matter what, but especially at home with a crowd and that, and that music going. Um, I'm hoping that somehow they just I, – I see them playing very – Defensively and compact in the game, just going to play on the counter, take chances only when they when it you know arises. Um, I'm hoping that they keep it close and it, it, to, they either somehow get a draw out of this because they've done that in the past where you thought they're going to lose big time and they end up getting a draw somehow. And you're like, whoa, okay, I'll take it. So I'm hoping either like a draw or a, like a one goal loss at the most. Um, I don't I don't expect a victory at all at Bayern. It just it'd be a miracle if they got that. Yeah. I think something crazy would have to happen for that to happen. Maybe maybe Frank Santa with the winner. Um, like two red cards in the first yeah. 10 minutes for Bayern or something. Yeah. Wednesday will be fun, though. Wednesday will be the uh, the always uh, enjoyable uh, going dark on social media to try to avoid spoilers while I'm at work because that is a 1.45 p.m. kickoff on a work Wednesday. So, um, yeah, uh, Schalke fans, don't tweet me during the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to stay off and watch that fresh until you know, when I get off work. But, uh yeah couple big fixtures for us this week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we get some positive results, at least in the, um, in the Pokal, and hopefully we don't lose too much more ground on the, uh, on the Champions League spots because, uh, yeah, it's a big weekend up ahead, so we can't – well, the, the table is very close right now. We can't afford to lose any more points um, and drop further in the table because, you know, with it being so close, if uh, you keep continue to lose and the teams that are right there with you continue to win, the gap's going to grow really, really fast, and it's going to be hard to play uh, catch-up later on. So we shall see. Uh, Shaka fans, that was our predictions. Tell us your predictions at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. That's going to wrap this, this week's pod up. Keep tuning each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet, as I said, at SO4 underscore podcast. Stay tuned to next week's episode where we recap both games, have a guest or maybe two to help break, us, break it all down. Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter or social media? J.M. Mangan. That's J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Uh, yeah, free to send me a tweet or Richard or the SO4 podcast handle uh, if you have anything you want us to discuss or anything any comments you want to make yourself, um, always uh, always happy to interact with you on there. Except during the Wolfsburg game, because uh, he yes, won't be a black on Wednesday during the Wolfsburg game. <laughs> Leave me alone, please. Thank you. Uh, once again, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. <laughs>